Welcome to the Nat and Sarah Show, where we aim to touch, move, and inspire you every single week. Really? We're really going to introduce our own show? Maybe we should leave it to the pro. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. One second, ladies. Here we go. Sarah Maxwell and Natalie Cook are experts in visualization and deliberate use of the law of attraction. As dynamic world athletes representing Canada and Australia in beach volleyball, they honed in on achievement at the highest level. Winning an Olympic gold medal on her home beach of Bondi is a pinnacle example. Their powerful techniques transmute the spiritual to the tangible, allowing thousands of their community members to bring their vision boards to life. Recently, they've taken their expertise on the road as the full-time family, where they inspire, coach, and lead people to create their unique, deliberate family life using a simplified three-step process. Welcome to the Nat and Sarah Show. Join us for twice-weekly episodes. Each week, Nat and Sarah will teach us how to deliberately create results in all areas of life using their unique three-step process. Not only that, they'll also sit down with some of their favorite high achievers who have manifested what most merely dream about. Are you a member of the community? Go to bit.ly slash the Nat and Sarah show to download your three-step journal to follow along with each workshop style teaching episode and get ready to take action on your inspirations. Today, we continue the conversation with a Hulk-like man, a gentle giant who loves nothing more than to think through the intricacies of not only the biochemistry of the human body and its performance, but also life and all its nuances. He meditates, he studied neurolinguistics, neuroscience, philosophy, Christianity, and is a chartered herbalist. So clearly the man doesn't sleep at night. He's too busy thinking. His Factor 3 fitness platform, along with the I Am Project, allow this number one ranked Canadian national bodybuilder to inspire the masses. He is proof that age is just a number. Because at 54 years old, and some of you are not going to be able to visualize how good this man looks. I do. I get to. Um, but he's even a grandfather, which is just crazy. He is currently training for yet another national bodybuilding title. And I think it's his 12th, but he may correct me on that. Currently working on a TEDx talk later this year while earning over a million dollars in network marketing. Like, need I say more? So, okay, Mr. David Jilks, where the heck do we even start with you? I, I, I kind of know, but you've done a lot in your life, haven't you? Yeah, you know, it's, uh, and it's interesting because it's, uh, um, you know, it, 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 it never went as planned, right? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> it's, uh, because when you, when, you, when you take the time to sit back and you look back, you go, you know, how the heck did I get here? And, uh, and, and that, which is really important, I think, um, because it's, uh, because if you can actually model your own success enough times, um, you know, instead of actually changing somebody else's dream, you, you know, you try to figure out how, you know, how you got here. And it's actually pretty interesting because if you, if you can pull it apart enough, you can see, you can find your own patterns, you, especially with uh, your own disasters. And I think that's, I think that's the important distinction. Most people look at where they went wrong and they navel gaze at that where, you know, I get where I went wrong, but I'm trying to figure out where, where I went right and see if I can extract the best part of that. 
Okay. Oh, I like that. Really like that. And I think in, in, you know, really preparing to chat to you today, cause we've known each other for some years, but I learned that you speak of some of your early mentors as Bruce Lee, which Nat will just love knowing that, but also the gentle giant, which you call the Hulk. So how have these mentors sculpted your life? Like what influences have they really had on you? Well, it was interesting. It's, uh, um, you know, the Hulk, I, I think, you know, for, you know, I guess for a lot of people in the DC comic era, he, um, it, it was one of these things where it was a sense of power where, where you, I, I, I lived in a really chaotic environment for a long period of time. I spent a couple of years on the streets when I was a teenager. So the Hulk to me was a representative of, uh, of my own sense of personal power, you know, because it's, uh, you know, and, and if you may, if you know the storyline, of course, <clears throat> um, Dr. Bruce Banner, you know, um, very smart guy, but you know, when you push him the wrong way, he was able to defend himself by turning into this, this, uh, this monstrosity who uh, we never actually went, went around killing people. His objective was to, to protect himself. Right. And um, so, it, you know, I kind of identified with that possibility and would it, you know, I thought, wouldn't it be great if I could be, you know, if I could protect myself that way, right. Mm-hmm. To have a, a physical persona uh, big enough that I feel, always feel, um, always feel safe and comfortable inside that skin. Mm, beautiful. Yeah. Funny. Because we just sort of assume the physical element, but you just brought more the story of the Hulk, which is beautiful. So did that relate to why you focused bodybuilding into your life? Like what aspects of this sport in particular do you love most? Um, it's, well, I think in the beginning it, uh, you know, it was the, well, what I first got into was of course the, the physical attributes of it, which, uh, uh, we seemed very compelling, right? Um, you know, I was a bit disappointed to learn later on that, uh, you know, my original dream is that, you know, wouldn't it be interesting, wouldn't it be cool to be 280 pounds and 300 pounds? And then, of course, you realize how that, that was manifested and how, you know, uh, dangerous that was because of the steroid use. But, but nevertheless, I still, I still became larger than the average man around me. And I have a cat, I have a cat running around. I was going to say, he didn't just flex his muscles. He, he does drop, he does still drop things being that strong. Yeah. I will have a cat that's demanding my attention. Um, <laughs> but it's, uh, but, but when I, when I, the more I got into it, I realized that there's another part to it as well. And there's, uh, I started reading fitness magazines and of course I started reading uh, biographies of individuals that uh, were competitors and, and Lou Ferrigno, of course, you know, um, you know, part of his journey was that, of course, he was he was uh, um, he was he was legally deaf uh, growing up, um, and of course that presented a bit of a challenge for him. Of course, you know we can imagine back in the uh, back in you know growing up in the sixties and the seventies, you know being deaf, there wasn't a lot of uh, um, the ear apparatus wasn't as refined as it is nowadays. So you know he, you know he had to find a place to fit in. He had to find something that was his that he could do uniquely. Uh, you know, despite uh, what he considered, you know, his, his handicap. So I found the story kind of really, you know, really great. And, and <clears throat> even seeing with Arnold Schwarzenegger, you know, even though watch those lines, it was, it, it was a singular thing that was enough to kind of uh, give them to create a path for them. Right. They had to use something. It's like a cattle prow on the front of a train. It's something that is strong enough to push everything out of the way so they could get to where they want to go. And so that became the thing that I used 
um, over the years to um, kind of cattle prowl my way through life. Wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like that's, that's interesting because do you feel like bodybuilding has um, like an element of improvement? Like you're kind of like in your own your own space to succeed? Like there's not as much competition or is it? Are you kind of looking at other people in terms of judging your own success or is it kind of like you run your own race a little bit more? You, um, you definitely run your own race. Uh, you know, um, you know, I've always classed myself more as an introvert. I don't know if that's necessarily true, but, uh, uh, but, but I do find, you know, I spend, you know, as you know, I, a great deal of time in my own head, but I, uh, bodybuilding is very introspective. Um, and, and if, and if you do it properly, uh, you know, if you follow that process properly, it can be a really incredible journey. It also can become very uh, self-indulgent uh, and narcissistic because, you know, you're, 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 the, the more you uh, go along that journey, and I've seen a lot of people fall prey to this, the more you go along that journey of actually, you know, trying to design your, you know, your blood and bone, basically, trying to redesign it in something. And, uh, and it can become, uh, you can become obsessed with the process. And, uh, you know, which can be a challenge, right? Because it's, we see a lot of people, of course, in fitness, the, um, the, the fitter they become, the more, um, the more critical they become. And that's just not a fitness, but that's of money, that's of uh, any success. You know, if the driver behind it is negative, then, then the, your pathway to success, will, the negativity will grow in kind the higher up the ladder you go. You can have $10 million when you start with one and you feel less secure at 10 than you did with the one. If, if you don't, yeah, if you don't change the driver. So, and so for me, as we spoke just before we got on here, it was a matter of actually changing the impetus behind why I wanted to be a bodybuilder. And I, I enjoyed it. I said, well, I don't want to get rid of it. There's nothing wrong with it. It's just the motivation was incorrect. I had to change the reason why I was doing it. So what is it now? What's your motivation these days? Well, it's, um, well, it was so funny because it's, uh, when we talk about age, you know, I don't even know what to do with the word number 54. <laughs> like it's, because it because uh, it doesn't even make it, I had no representation of it when I look around my community it just it just doesn't make any sense so I figured well there's something something must be wrong um, so you know and I I'm, you know I kind of have fun with uh, with the parody of it because it's it uh, if I can do this if I can do this at 54 then people coming up behind me they they got to know that. You know, uh, I'm 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 road mapping. I'm, I feel like I'm one of the you know the French voyageurs going across Canada. You know, saying, "Well, what's what's on the other side of this mountain?" I have no idea, but I, I'm I'm going to find it. I'm going to figure this out. Huh, and okay. but I'm going to create a map for it. And I feel like my whole life has been a map because because I'm very I'm very open about the you know some of the you know the twists and turns and some of the chaos and you know and 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 a lot of the aspects of the journey which aren't great and big chunks that are not. Um, but it's, um, but I get to map it out and, and there was, a, uh, there's an, um, author, Carolyn Miss, she's a spiritual author. And, uh, I was listening to one of her, I was, actually, I was in the jungle with my son, uh, just a year ago and I was watching a TEDx video from her. And she said, just imagine that, you know, you're on your knees praying and saying, you know, God, you know, why has this, why has this happened to me? And so God hears your plea, sends an angel and the angel shows up and says, well, because it did. Next question. <laughs> and, and it was important for me because when I heard that, it just, you know, it just, it's okay, I'm, 
I'm I'm still here. I, you know, like it's I'm I haven't fallen apart. Uh, I still have lots of great things in my life. So you know, what is the message behind my journey, and what's the purpose? Once I started teasing that out, um, you know, the the motivation behind why I do everything really changed powerfully. Yeah, I think that's that just made me laugh when you said Carolyn Miss saying <laughs> next question because for the analyzers out there. That's kind of like, that kind of shuts that all down, doesn't it? So, well, I'm going to call, maybe I'm going to call the analyzer back just for a second because I want to explore this roadmap. I thought that was a really nice visual that you had about um, almost like a first settler who's like looking at a piece of land that no one's seen before. So let's look at this, this map that you're, you're showcasing for us all. So if we are exploring human performance, because you've looked at it from a lot of angles. So, you know, a herbalist, and then we've got, um, you know, biochemistry. And then, you know, from a mental perspective, you've got the neurolinguistics. Then you're meditating. So, okay. What do you believe to be the most important pieces of the puzzle to ultimate human performance? Um, well, well I, I think, well, it's all stacked. Um, because it's, okay. it's like a, meaning that uh, you have to, um, it's like any scientific endeavor. You have to start with a hypothesis. And, uh, and so, you know, I think it's a great illustration um, that uh, different speakers have used about, you know, they'll give you five rocks and then 10 small rocks and then a cup of sand. And you had to find some way to fit them all into a, into a, you know, a quart glass. And it has to be a very specific order they have to fit into. So the, the, one, the one thing that we know about uh, human performance is that we don't know anything about human performance <laughs> because it's just, it's a, it's a massive variable. Like there's so many things going, you know, if every cell is, is uh, has a, a thousand things going on, like per second, there's a thousand things interplaying with each cell and you get a billion of them and each billion cells are communicating in real time through something, through, uh, through little uh, um, lights called biophotons. So it's like watching birds fly and like how the hell do a thousand birds fly through the air without running into each other and they're in constant communication. So, so what I start recognizing is that first of all, we are, we are a giant ecosystem right, on a small level, on a massive level, but that's just how everything is designed. And we, we, we need to figure that part out first. So when I, when I looked at training, I realized that, well, you know, I had, to, uh, I had to clean up whatever was obvious, I had to clean that up. So, for example, um, I worked with a lady, a bunch of women years ago, and one lady asked me, said, well, are you going to talk about, um, will you talk about uh, uh, hormones and menopause as it relates to body fat? I said, not right away. What I'm going to do first is I'm going to shove a bunch of air down your neck, uh, and we're going to call that aerobic training, right? And I'm going to do that consistently over the, over the next 90 days, and we're going, to, we're going to teach you how to do it. We're going to teach you strides. We're going to show you how to set it up so that, that you actually develop uh, you know, good um, mechanical patterns. And we're going to do it consistently enough so your body recognizes the intake of oxygen so you start developing more red blood cells and become more efficient. So we're going to do that for 90 days. Second thing we're going to do is we're going to, we're going to control your blood sugar. And we're going to do that by, you know, by um, setting up some really good macros. So we'll do a really balanced meal. We'll do that consistently, consistently day in, day out. And we're going to do that for 90 days. And the third thing we're going to do is that we're going to, offer, we're going to put you under, under a form of resistance called strength training. And we're going to do that from the core out. And we're going to do that for 90 days. And then whatever is left over is the problem. They're awesome. Right. Because, because when athletics and everything else, what we're, what we're doing is that we're not looking at, you're not an athlete, you're a human body first. 
right? You're not anything. You're and there's rules. Let's go see if this thing is aligned. So I, we start with core development, and we start with posture, and we start with uh, making sure that we have uh, uh, what, what we call um, uh, symmetry in movement. So my left hamstring is approximately the same length as the right hamstring. You know, my the side, the left side strength is relatively equal to the right side strength. So I had to don't have to use disparity. And all we had to, all we really had to do was start playing around with that. And the more we focused on those pieces, the naturally better I got. Because every time I I go see a performance coach, let's say somebody who's designed to teach me how to sprint, well, the, the, what he was giving me was on a body that was stable, and the body would take it properly. Right. If somebody was feeding me and I was eating on a cycle and I was eating consistently, the advice they were giving me was falling on a stable body. And if I could just clean up the framework of who I was, I could accept everything much more uh, effectively. And I, I just would kind of move and leaps and bounds. And, and that became the biggest difference between people that were knee jerking to the next you know, uh, you know the, the special dry land training with the parachute and the rubber tire attached to your rear end, and that you know with the hundred dollar, you know, one hundred eighty dollar running shoes that are supposed to give you none of this stuff works if you don't take care of the basics. Always and everything, nothing else works. And so I get better at well, my company is called Core Essentials for for a reason. So I got more more into designing the basics. And, and, and I think that's the, that's the uh, maturation path, right? The intellectual path is you reduce all the peripheral noise and say all this stuff is fun and okay to play with, but it means nothing unless I can deal with the basics. And wow. yeah. I love that because I was just imagining that woman getting that answer from you who wanted <laughs> you to give her some like magic formula about her hormones. But when you give these basics, it's what, it feels like everybody can do that. Yeah. However, I think there's a lot of things that get in the way of people doing those basics. And you just, you know, you bring me right back to my volleyball career when the coach wants you to do the basics, you know, especially when you're younger, everything in you is fighting that. You want to do all the flashy parts. And then they tell you, well, if you can't do the basics, you'll never be able to do the flashy parts. So then you're kind of more motivated. You know, so it's funny how, like you said, that's the, that's the construct over time. You start to understand these building blocks and that it's like you can't build a roof on the house if there's no bottom part, there's no foundation. So now this, you might have said this really in what you just said, but how does spirituality and meditation come into that picture that you've sort of, this, these core essentials maybe? How does this even fit in? Like most people wouldn't even be thinking about or talking about this part, but you do. Yeah, well, it's uh, well, I, you know, it's because the body has a head, right? Um, and uh, you know, and I think it's one of these things that, uh, and it goes, and that happens over time because I think, you know, as I mentioned earlier on, the reason why we do things, right? The reason why you chose volleyball as a career, uh, it becomes a very singular, a very singular event. But what happens when you quit? What happens? You're no longer in that environment, so your whole world just simply dissipates because you're hanging your entire uh, hopes and dreams off one possibility. And 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 knowing that we're and I, if I look at my life as an ecosystem, which I believe it is, you know, I think uh, I think we have I, I think we have very poor understanding just how intricate everything is. And I think the more we understand that, the more personal accountability we'll take on to realize how powerful we really are. Uh, and uh, not only in our lives, but it's just the, the massive influence we have over everything. Like it's extraordinary 
extraordinary sense of responsibility, extraordinary amount of responsibility that we should carry. And it shouldn't be overwhelming, but it should wake us up to a sense of purpose saying, hey man, I really have, you know, I've got some pull. I, I, my, my, my opinion and my behavior really matters a lot, more so than I could ever imagine. Um, and the spirituality piece, it's just, you know, it, it became one of those, um, one of those, those core principles where I realized that, you know, the physical journey made me, uh, it was, uh, there's a lot of, um, what's the word, uh, a lot of emotional roller coasters because I think as, you know, as I kind of mentioned before, you know, I got into it because I was insecure and then I figured that I thought that, you know, training would actually elevate elevate my persona and then, you know, I would, people would love me and I would love myself and I'd feel safe inside my body. And then, of course, it just made me feel worse. Then I became this larger human being who got a lot of attention, good and bad, and then that made me feel really uncomfortable. So I didn't know what to do with that. I was very disappointed that my success uh, hadn't uh, hadn't turned out to be the, uh, you know, the uh, uh, the big ticker tape parade I thought it was going to be. Right? And yeah. uh, so it really threw me off. I'm going, okay, well, you know, this isn't, uh, this doesn't feel good. So I had I started exploring those pieces a little bit more than what makes me feel good then what would make this feel better? Or how can I re- uh, reframe my journey? What else could this mean? What else can I do with this? Because be ashamed to throw it all out. And, and I had, you don't have to look very far to witness what uh, zero direction and chaos looks like in, in, in an individual's life, right? There's massive examples of that, uh, you know, at a stone's throw. So I started reorientating myself and then actually looking to history and looking to, uh, you know, um, uh, looking to philosophers and looking, you know, we've been on the planet for, you know, for a few years here, for a few thousand years, and just looking at, for the, for the massive civilization, what kind of kept them on point, and it wasn't a perfect journey, but what kind of kept them on point was the fact that there was, um, there was a sense of purpose beyond themselves. And, um, and, 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 and now, and of course, in today's society, we have such a, everybody's hypersensitive and, you know, everybody's terrified to say the wrong thing. But, but for me, it just, you know, it was a matter of part for me, it was actually becoming, you know, well, if I'm going to be this man uh, and I have this physical stature, then what's the response of, you know, I get to go around smacking people in the head who, you know, and anybody who, who did me wrong, I get to go beat the hell out of them. You know, I used to work in the bar industry. I could be that aggressor. Right. Um, or I, I could, you know, I could say, well, you know, maybe I could use my superpowers for good and not evil. <laughs> And, right. and, and what I did is I realized that, okay, my physical presence actually opens doors for me. My physical presence makes people think twice about saying things. My physical presence gives me a platform. Then what would be the best use of that platform? Mm-hmm. And, um, and when, I, when I realized that my physical platform created space, either in conversation, right? So nobody's going to, people weren't going to beat me up anymore, right? I wasn't going to you know, deal with a lot of physical uh, harm. But if it created a space and it created a pause inside my life, then what can I fill that pause in with? And, the, and I realized that it just, if people looked up to me then, and maybe I could use this as, uh, as a tool to, to, um, well, well, to show people what was possible physically, but also it, it gave me a safety um, gave me a safety net to kind of return back to more of a, a spiritual way of looking at life um, to um, to kind of getting back to that um, um, sort of looking forward trying to get back to those those big blocks those, that, those core principles 
you know, I, I, I grew up with a grandmother who used to read the King James Bible every morning. I don't know how the hell she read it because the print was like micro small, right? This little tiny red Bible. Um, but I asked her, why did, why did you, why do you read it? Like every morning you're there with your tea and toast and reading this little Bible. She goes, because it gave me uh, a perspective for the day. It gave me some rules to focus on every day. So it became part of her core identifying principle. And, and, and whether we believe in Christianity or not, whether that's our thing, it's just if you don't have something to follow that you decide and daily, like, like the, if you don't train for three days, the nervous system starts looking at whole new ways of being. It starts adopting your new behavior. Whatever you're doing, you're sitting on your rear end. You haven't been running or swimming for three days. The nervous system starts to shift its focus on what it, what's going on next. And so that became a, you know, when I realized that that's how malleable our our bodies are. And of course, it's how malleable our, our personality is. It's how malleable our, our, uh, um, our focus in life is. And this is a daily event. So I found that if I read every day and things that um, – uh, uh, things that were moving it forward. I was interested in what everybody was saying um, for a while because I have quite a book collection, as I'm sure you, you do as well. And when I found I came full circle, and then I, now I'm down to just a few different books, a few different authors. So I've gone full circle of wanting to know everything and realizing that they're only really saying the same thing. Um, and then I, and then of course I, I started moving away from personal development. Um, in the sense of, you know, taking a million courses, reading a million books, because it's, it creates personal development fatigue. It's like, the, yeah. it's like the crash dieting, right? You've done 20 diets, you know, you've done 30 exercise programs, and you've read, you know, 60 books. And the 60 books, they're all on the same topic. Seriously, the first book should have done it, right? Yeah, you're like, why are, well, this is actually really fascinating, like, to see there's a common theme around what you're saying about coming almost to a smaller range, a more simple, yeah, almost like less, less voices that you're being mentored by or guided by. Um, so, so in all this, what I see is a real sense of purpose and I don't know if drive is word, but something moves you forward, you know, to whether it's a discipline to read, to continue to compete, you know, like, what is the motivator to continue setting goals, to continue creating? Um, actually, you know, it's funny enough, uh, Wayne Dyer <clears throat> uh, wrote an incredible book called The Power of Intention. And uh, I must have listened to his audio book a hundred times. Um, <clears throat> I, I drive it to a client's house uh, over a 10-year period. I drove to this client's house. It took me half hour to get there, half hour to get back. And I listened to this audio book over a 10-year period about a hundred times. And he said, well, he said, one thing that was really, really powerful, um, and it, it was brought up again by uh, a fellow Canadian, Dr. Jordan Peterson, um, who's just a brilliant, brilliant author. But um, he said, you know, one, one, of we, one of the human's greatest tragedies and the one thing that we all share is our is mortality. Like, we're not going to be here forever. And so, you know, we live our, you know, most, most people live their lives, uh, you know, pretending that they're never going to die. So they, they live in the horror of that, uh, that idea of their demise. He said, so you make your peace on this side of eternity with your own demise. Make peace with your own death. Like, figure it out right now. And so this was probably probably 15 years ago when I, you know, when I was going through that process of 
trying to figure out what that might be like. And then once I saw the only reason I would be afraid of dying is that it wasn't afraid of the fear of death. It was the fear of wasting a day on this planet, wasting one valuable second of doing something that was completely worthless and it had no value to me or anyone else around me. So you think of people in the hospice that are just these miserable and they're just depressed and they're terrified and not terrified of death. What terrifies them is that, you know, they, they don't have enough points built up to take them into an afterlife that's going to be worthwhile. They're terrified that, that the life didn't mean anything. And so, and I think, you know, you know, we're the only mammals that, that are, that are aware of that, that are aware of our, of our, of our finality. So, I started thinking about that piece and going, you know what, I, I, when, I, when I'm 95 years old or when I'm 103, I'm kind of aiming for 103, is okay. that I, I want to, yeah, like I really want, I want the ability to, to lie down and say, okay, I'm done. I'm tired. You know, um, I did exactly what I was, I was put here to do, and I'm tired. But it's, uh, you know, and, and I'm not banking on, you know, uh, you know, the Christians have this belief of, you know, they want to be resurrected and everyone's going to go to heaven. And, and I put that belief where I said, no, you know, I don't necessarily know that to be true. And I'm, bank, and I'm banking on the fact that it's not going to be true. I got one life to figure this out. And, um, and if, you, if you look at history enough, all our forefathers, they used to say, we, we don't hear this much anymore, unfortunately, but their objective was for future generations, I'm building my wealth for my future generations. I'm doing this research for future generations. I'm saving my land for future generations. And that was always that was always the conversation by you know some of these powerful people in our history. They were focused, they knew they weren't going to be here for long, and they knew they wanted the legacy to live long enough to powerfully uh, affect the future generations, and they wanted to make that mark in history. Um, and it's uh, and that got lost. In you know the in the 21st century where you know it's what can I get for me what can I do for me how can I launch my success and when you when you when you think that way you know whenever uh, an organism becomes self-centered it becomes a cancer and it and it's not there's nothing else in the world that's going to work with it right every actually when you become that self-centered as an organism things try to stomp you out right because it's an unnatural act. So getting back to the idea of, of an ecosystem, the more I thought about it as being an ecosystem, the healthier I can be, the more, the, the more uh, well-read I can be, the more uh, well-loved I can, I, I can be in the world, the more, uh, the more certain I can be, I become a healthy part of this organism. And, and just by you know, me showing up as best as humanly possible, I automatically have a beneficial effect on the world around me, around my kids, around my friends. Um, and it's, but it, because it's interesting because it, it, and one look at it may seem kind of self-indulgent, but the drive behind it is to make sure that everything I do, I can give away. Mm. Like, you know, I give away, you know, um, I give away tons of information for free all the time. If I want to really make money at it, I would have picked a different strategy. But, uh, <laughs> but the objective is that, you know, I, there's a reason why I have this ability to think the way I do. There's a reason why at 54 I look the way that I do, but it's not just, it's not just for my own uh, self uh, gratification. There's a reason for it. And I'm constantly teasing out that bigger picture. Yeah, you are. I, it's all that's, I see that in you all the time. And for the, I've known Dave for a long time and it's true. It's um, it's never the sense of protecting his IP. He's like very much a giver 
obviously that's because you've faced your own mortality and you know, you're not going to be taking your information in your coffin with you. So um, I see you as a dream maker. You know, this, this community is really about um, helping people remember some of the dreams that, that perhaps they, they haven't been able to hear for a long time. So, and I also see you as someone who had dreams and takes action on them. You just described this. So what would you say to someone who has a dream and hasn't started taking action on it yet. You know, just to kind of carry us out of this conversation, what would you say to that person? Well, I think one of the, and I actually, it's funny because I just thought about this, um, uh, actually just this, um, earlier this year, I was trying to define it, and we were thinking about the word, you know, what holds people back is, uh, is fear, right, for the most part. But, but what's interesting is that, you know, we have to identify what the message fear has. And quite often we think about fear as a message of, you know, either you want to, um, um, we, you know, we think about fear as, uh, as a driver to run away. We think about fear as, uh, um, as a driver to numb, right, to just like, you know, be a scared uh, uh, deer in the meadow and just hide, you know, waiting for the predator to go away. Um, or we think about fear as, a, um, as, a, as a, a method to fight. And, and I think we need to define what the message of fear, like the fear of moving forward, what is it telling us? Because I think there's two possibilities. If fear around, you know, it thinks, well, you know, I'm just, I'm so anxious about my, you know, I'm fearful about stepping forward. But maybe fear is not, maybe if you explore fear a little bit more, maybe fear is telling you that what I'm terrified, when, I, when I'm really afraid of is not doing this. I'm afraid what will happen to my life if I don't do this. I'm afraid of what I will think of, think of myself if I don't do this. I'm afraid of what opportunities will I'll miss if I don't do this. And maybe, maybe it's the fear of not, succeed maybe it's the fear of not stepping up and maybe maybe your 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 soul is grabbing you by the by the collar and shaking you saying wake up to to the possibility of your life like we're not you know fear is a fear is kind of a broad message and you have to make sure you interpret the message properly because it's not telling you to not go it's not telling you to stay still and tremble it's it's telling you we are afraid of not becoming who we need to be Ooh, this is good. Yeah, so I think maybe it's asking us to run into our dreams. It's not telling us to to hide and run away. And I I think we got to be very careful about what how we interpret the message of fear. Ooh, hope everybody caught that because I think that that's a game changer because there is this assumptive quality about fear. Like fear is telling me stop. However, what I've noticed in my experience of being around successful people is that that's not the interpretation successful people take of fear, which is, and you've just really um, said that beautifully. And, and sometimes I often, the only quality of fear, there's no judgment. It just says, Hey, how you're being right now is not in alignment with who you're becoming. Meaning the bigger part of you has moved forward and you are kind of like stalled back and I, I visualize it like a train, you know, the train has left the station and you're like holding onto the back of the train with your heels dug in. And there's like friction to that, you know, there's like a feeling to your heels being resisting like that. And perhaps that's all that is like an indicator of I've moved to a new place and I'm lagging behind. So imagine if I just jumped on this train <laughs> and went with it. Um, yeah, but thank you for that. I, I, I really appreciate that new way of thinking about it. Awesome. Okay, David, here's the thing. 
you and I, when Dave and I get together, we, I always say to him, I want to talk with you more. It's like, I'm tired of my own voice saying that because there's never enough time. It just is what it is. So thank you for this succinct conversation on human performance that I now see as an ecosystem and um, something that I can really, you know, sink my teeth into you really. I feel like you gave us access. Each and every one of us can do the basics. You know, there's, it's all the rest is an excuse. And then on top of these basics, we can start to stack or chunk um, the next step. So thank you so much for being my friend and, and just helping navigate and show me the way forward. Thank you. Awesome. You're very welcome. Always a pleasure. My friend. Thank you so much for listening to the show. Don't forget to join the community at bit.ly slash the Nat and Sarah show to download your three-step journal and participate in weekly lives found only in our private group. Hold on, hold on, hold on. You've got to rate and review the show. And I know all the podcasts are always asking this. And in the past, I wasn't doing it. And the reason I wasn't doing it is because I actually didn't know how to do it. So open your podcast player and click on our show from your library, not the listen now. That's where I was going wrong in the past. So now that you know how to do it, when you go there, make sure you give us a five-star review. Five stars, five stars, five stars. And then click on write a review link to actually write a review so that you can tell other people that we're legit and even funny, maybe a bit serious. So if you want to recommend this to someone, you have to... Put your fingers on the keys and send us a review. Thanks.